are running down that dream. Little Tom Petty coming at you. Mike, happy Sunday. How are you doing? Yeah. Oh, man, we made it, right? I know, man. Good almost, times, good times. I'm doing all right, man. How are you doing? How's the wedding? The wedding was fun. I'm hungover. It has uh, been a rough morning. Uh, woke up late. Still got out there. Did a quick run today and uh, ran a couple errands and then got the show on the road, man. Yeah. Not bad, not bad. You caught me in the middle of some American gangster. I got hooked into it. I don't know. With the Denzel Washington? Yeah, great movie. That is a classic. I love the Russell Crowe in that one. Plays a great, like... He's you don't want to cheer for him, but you do at the same time. You know what I'm uh, saying? Your heart breaks for him. Yes, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Such a lovable just goon. <laughs> it's just he's been used by the system, man. Um, <laughs> so that was Tom Petty right there from his debut solo album, Full Moon Fever. And in our previous episode, you led into the second show with a little Jeff Lynn of the Electric Light Orchestra. Oh, I got some more today. And you said you were going to bring more down the docket, and I told you I would counter you with Jeff Lynn non-electric light orchestra. (laughs) So he wrote that song? So that was Running Down a Dream from the Tom Petty album, the first solo Tom Petty album, Full Moon Fever, produced by Jeff Lynn. And that song specifically, Running Down a Dream, closes side one, and it is written by Tom Petty, Mike Campbell, and Jeff Lynn. Oh, God. Okay, so Jeff Lynn. Because that, now it makes sense. That song actually really follows his, like, rhythmic... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I did uh, a little upbeat, digging on him. You know, you know he, uh, he was invited to the White Album sessions during when the Beatles were recording the album. And he was there for a couple hours or whatever and, you know, hung out with the Beatles and was a huge fanatic... And apparently modeled much of ELO's styles after the Beatles. He went on, and I will end up playing, uh, you know, some uh, other produced albums. He produced Ringo's uh, solo stuff, as well as uh, George Harrison's. And, that is um, best work. Yeah, Ringo, people dust that one under the rug a little. But, you know, uh, the George Harrison album, pretty, pretty good, uh, you know. Jeff Lynn allegedly was kind of almost labeled in a negative way back in those days in the 70s and 80s as somewhat of a Beatles ripoff artist, allegedly, mm. apparently, from what I was uh, seeing over there on the Wikipedia as I quickly scanned over. Everybody's um, ripping off somebody, man. That's well, nowadays, dude, Em and I love listening to the pop radio music station here in Denver when we're cruising home and the traffic at four miles an hour. And we love. The new, the new game that we have is, is this an original song that we love from the 90s, or is this a terrible remake? And you find out usually within about seven seconds, but a lot of, a lot of our favorites <laughs> from the 90s, they're re- the kids are remaking into horrible you know, reboots. Yeah, and our songs are reboots from previous generations. Yes, our songs that we loved were ripped off of better songs from 30 years prior. <laughs> That's how sad it's gotten. <laughs> I don't know. We had the butthole surfers. Don't forget about them. You know, it's only once every generation you find a diamond in the rough, such as the butthole <laughs> surfers. <laughs> and we had Beck. I mean, you know. We had some good stuff in the 90s. Pretty original in the 90s. I would argue the 90s was the last era of the original music. I mean, we had grunge. That was like the last style of music. And then the aughts, we had a bunch of guys like Jack White and those two uh, Blues Brother dudes. You know, they were just kind of rehashing old blues music and old rock. It was good, but it was just kind of like a rehash. They didn't really like come up with a new style of music or a version. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Is, is rap dying now? Rap is gone. gone. Yeah, no, it's totally dead. Absolutely. Are we, no. do, are we done I, I, <laughs> idolizing the worst like poor communities? We're done with uh, being hip to the hip hop. I think that's uh, from an old generation. You know, this year, actually... I believe has been the 50th celebration of the incar of the uh, I almost I almost said incarceration. That's uh, 
too on the nose there. Of the, uh, <laughs> incarnation, I guess. <laughs> well, you know, it's a little Freudian slip. <laughs> we are talking the thugs of the hip-hop world, right? Oh, dude, you can't say thugs. That's just like the N-word. Thugs is now... On the pedestal of the N-word, really? Oh, it's just as bad. You can't, everybody knows what you mean. Can't say st- street thuggin' anymore? Straight thuggin'? <laughs> I'm, straight th- I'm straight thuggin', y'all. You're not straight anything, first of all. Second of all... <laughs> We've already established I'm about 90% out of that closet there. I'm one trip to France from sealing the deal, I'd say. <laughs> hey yo. <laughs> yeah. uh, you'll see some thugs out there. Oh, absolutely, man. They really are. And same here. Have you seen the images coming out of, like, Manhattan and downtown New York over Veterans Day weekend? They were ripping down American flags and putting up Palestinian flags, man. So disgusting. It's kind of like, um, that's almost like an insurrection, I would say. Some sort of, like, takeover, if you will. It's it's really disgusting. Because you guys are literally calling for the execution of Jews. A little Hitlerian. It's a a little something, I gotta say. I I don't know, all this talk of Trump being Hitler, I don't see any of his supporters putting up uh, Palestine flags. Yeah, well, you know, Trump, with the Kushner, right, the Kushner connection, if you will, kind of brokered in that little mini-peace deal there for a few years, and times were good. Maybe even if it wasn't totally legit, or, you know what I'm saying? For some reason, we just had a little bit of stability there when Trump was in, but uh, I do want to bring up, though, we had a comment on one of our previous episodes there, probably the dude man, Sean, if I'm not mistaken, but it was in regards to, I think we were kind of hailing the hilarity of one Donald Trump and how funny he is, you know, in certain situations, and he's, you know, quite entertaining, Uh, but we're very quick to forget always how, you know... Trump is Operation Warp Speed with the uh, rollout of the vaccine there. Oh, absolutely. And Dude, I, that's why I say I'm not going to vote for him that. over Biden, but give right. me a third option. Here. Absolutely. It's very, it's very easy in this warp speeding of time that we're going through that to, to forget that like Trump, Trump was president when we locked down. He could have said no. He could have stopped it. And then he was also president when they went uh, you know, full speed ahead in dismissing, or I'm sorry, wait, they didn't dismiss the data. They had no data. That's right. They just didn't do any testing, <laughs> and they just warp sped this poison vaccine into the bloodlines of the entire uh, human race here. So, you know, Trump, yeah. Trump's Tr- name Joe is Joe Biden under. got his shot before Trump left office. That's right, man. Yeah, he got the, the so. Trump vaccine, man. So we, we should never forget that, uh, you know, <clears throat> in, in a lot of ways, the man was a stooge and a part of the system. Yeah, he should have fired Fauci. Uh, what a but, different world it could have been, right? <laughs> yeah. But he is the lesser of two evils, believe it or not. You know? It's a good call. Good call. Uh, and <clears throat> that's why I welcome in a third party, and I think most Americans agree that when it comes to a third party, there is only one man, and one man we can all really get behind in a unified way, and that's The Rock. Here's, here's, here's a thing that, 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 that always struck me. Oh, this idiot? Yeah, that's Trevor Noah. He has a new podcast that debuted <laughs> no, on Spotify. Of course. Yes. Of, of course. course. That's yeah. right. And his first or whatever, I don't know how many guests he had, but here we go. We're rolling with The Rock. And, oh, man, I, I did try to listen to some of this podcast. Man, it's a snooze fest, I got to say. Trevor Noah... I don't know what his deal is. Is he a comedian or a political guy? Is he a journalist? I, I just can't figure him out anymore. He's not funny, is, right? Is this another non-political uh, podcast? Yes, exactly. <laughs> like uh, Bill Maher, where all you do is talk about politics? It's just Trevor. You're hanging out with Trevor, man. You're going to talk about the world and stuff, right? Uh, except you're going to bring on The Rock, <clears throat> and we're going to talk about him running for president. Was You live in a country that is so divided. You live in a country where people fight about everything. And then this poll came out and it said 43 or 46% of the country would love the idea of Dwayne Johnson running for president. And I remember seeing that and I was like, damn. I mean, it either means 
you are the paragon of what people would hope a leader would be, or it means things have gotten so bad <laughs> that they like. Have you seen idiocracy? Here. I know. We have, that means we have entered idiocracy numbers. You're, you're talking to Camacho right now. That this is literally Camacho. President Camacho. This, he is Camacho. He looks like Camacho. This is Camacho. <laughs> the, the worst part about this interview is the actor who played Camacho isn't even dead yet. So within his lifetime, we might actually get a Camacho. I think Terry Crews is actually more inspirational and possibly smarter than The Rock. Actually, you know, I think he could actually run. <sighs> Definitely smarter than Trevor Noah. I mean, I would say realistically, yeah, don't you think people would vote for Terry Crews as for president? Oh, I would love to vote for Terry Crews. He should have been the first black president. <laughs> I mean, the actually, man... if he gets elected, I'm going to consider him. <laughs> yeah, this Hawaiian shit. Have Kenyan. Oh, I'm telling you, dude, I, I like the Terry Crews idea. The man is a success story, and he, he's, again, inspirational. He's probably got some smarts in there, some street smarts at least, or whatever. I don't know much about the guy, but if The Rock hey, can get 46. 45? Perfect age, dude. That's what I'm saying, dude. Let's go full on Camacho. Just bring Terry Crews <laughs> onto the ballot, man. <laughs> what are we doing here? Let's stop beating around the bush. Let's go the Camacho route. A smack I love down it. On your body. <laughs> yes. Do you know what I mean? I do. So let, let, let's talk through two things. Uh-huh. The one <laughs> Hold is. Hold on. You know what the best part about your Terry response Cruz was interesting. Being a you president? said it. I can't wait for this. He would be the first president with NFL combine values. <laughs> wow. Well, you would. There would be no issue with his physicality or ability to, you know, take on the job from that perspective. However,. All those concussions. He might not be mentally stable enough for the gig, but maybe that's the kind of guy we need with the finger on the football there. Have you seen the last two guys? I know. <laughs> this guy seems way more stable. A lifetime of just ramming your skull into other human beings at full <laughs> speed. Dude probably has more mental acuity than the last three presidents. So there's no doubt about it. <laughs> or two. I don't know. Barack Obama allegedly was just high on crack the whole time. <laughs> a lot of blowjobs, that guy. Democrats <laughs> love their blowjobs in the Oval Office, you know? They really do, yes. You think Barry threw on a blue dress once in a while just to uh, <laughs> spice things up with Big Mike? <laughs> so gross. Big Mike! People, if that was something that people wanted me to do, I would consider it or, or I would do it. I'll share, I'll, just, I'll share this a little bit with you. At the beginning of the year, uh, at the end of the year, rather, in 2022, I got a visit from the parties mm-hmm. asking me if I was going to run and if I could run. Wow. And it was a big deal, and it came out of the blue. Wow. And it was one after the other. And um, they brought up that poll. They also brought up their own deep dive uh, research and yeah. data that would prove should I ever decide to go down that road, you that... would be a real contender. Yeah, and it was, it was, all very surreal, because that's never been my goal. My goal has never been to be in politics. And then the Rock stared at himself naked in the mirror and masturbated <laughs> for three days. <laughs> that's how much he loves himself. I mean, the real question is, how are we going to be able to smell what the Rock is cooking if he's in the White House? <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, dude, The Rock. Seriously? The parties came to The Rock? A serious contender? Oh, man, we're in bad, bad times, (laughs) dude. Harvard is spitting out, I'm assuming, a thousand lawyers a semester minimum? I I don't know. What's the number there? Like, we can't pick one of those? No constitutional lawyers? Nobody? Anybody? (laughs) No historians, people who've served, maybe anyone from West Point, anybody out there, dude? What the hell is this, man? No, we're going to go check out what The Rock is up to. You got any more of those Hobbs and Shaw movies for the next four years? All right, why don't you come be president? (laughs) Yeah. Ridiculous, dude. Uh, Even more ridiculous than that, though, is Trevor Noah's got this podcast. It's just, uh, it's flooded. It's crazy. Why do they do this with everybody? They just give them a podcast and then they just bring in the most popular people. Yeah, well, you got to get the ratings and you need the clickbait and you got to go viral. So bring on The Rock and he'll share an anecdote about how all the major political organizations approached him about running for president. 
Yeah, but nobody watched you on on or uh, Comedy Central. I mean, what makes you think they're going to listen to your podcast? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't come across a lot of Trevor Noah fans out there. You know what I'm saying? He, he doesn't seem to be, uh, and maybe he's just uh, specific to certain communities, right? You know, I mean, Dave Chappelle kind of crosses all lines there, you know, but maybe Trevor Noah is just really hip with the South Africans. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess. All right. I don't know. You see Leslie Jones is on uh, Daily Show now. So is she doing like a full run? Because they're, you know, they're going with the guest hosts. And yeah, she was a guest host. Guest host. I remember reading in the interview she did earlier this year when her book came out and she was, you know, making waves for all that nonsense and claiming that people didn't like Ghostbusters because they're sexist still and racist. It's amazing. Uh, hill to die on but she's still going with that yeah. she also i recall <laughs> claimed saying something in that interview that she was like really like gunning for that hosting gig at the daily show but i don't think they're gonna i think they're done with the woke hiring <laughs> feels that way she's just not that funny very i don't know not appealing to a broad audience you know Really? I think she's very uh, tuned into the MSNBC audience. Have you seen the hosts of all of the NBC, MSNBC shows? <laughs> they got like three dudes, and it's just all lesbians now. The entire thing. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. How many lesbians are out? It's crazy. Well, I guess everybody is a lesbian now. Yeah, I mean, I, I could pretty much identify as a lesbian for the most part, I feel like. Right? Pretty close. Yeah, I'm pretty close to it. I got the look. I, got, I drive the Subaru. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm there, man. <laughs> if I put on the right pair of glasses, I could probably pull off the Rachel Maddow. Uh, you got a better figure than half the girls in Chicago. Yeah? <laughs> there's, some, there's some broad women around here. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, MSNBC has uh, really died in the ratings and not as fun to make fun of as, you know, as CNN used to be. Remember the glory days of CNN? We had the Don Lamont, the Brian Stelter. I mean, that just that fed our show in itself right there. We could yeah, do a full was... hour on just those two guys sprinkling a little Fauci at the end. We, we were set, right? <laughs> Don Lemon was the best. I know. Oh, Where's his podcast? He's got to have oh, a podcast. Sure he's, got, well, he's probably busy at Harvard. Oh, good call. Yeah. Well, you know, Don Lemon's the podcast. Uh, I already got the title. You call it The Squeeze. <laughs> With Don Lemon. <laughs> Do you know what his actual name is for his podcast? <laughs> no, does he have a podcast? Silence. It's not an option. No. Oh, the squeeze yeah. would be so good. I know. Really good, a missed opportunity. Man, somebody needs to hire you for a PR. <laughs> that is genius. The squeeze. With Don Lemon? Come on. It's right there. <laughs> I... Your picture is just a fist squeezing a lemon? Yeah, That's... man. You it start... writes itself. <laughs> or juiced with Don Lemon? No, no. I like I like, <laughs> I like the squeeze. squeeze yeah, man. yeah. Juice. That's more squeeze. Juice is for OJ, and it's his uh, podcast about doing steroids and murdering people. Yeah, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> or at least how to write, you know, uh, murder mystery novels. You know, if I did it. <laughs> oh, so geez, the, uh, the glory days, yeah, with it's Don great. Lamont, it's, it's, dude. Because it'd be great because you could like, you know, when you got when the, on those gotcha moments. And then when, you're there, when they're stumbling over the words, you could be like, yeah, you got squeezed. <laughs> pucker up, buttercup. Right. <laughs> pucker face. Uh, so <clears throat> the glory days, like I was saying, uh, they're long forgotten and gone. As you mentioned, Harvard, that's where uh, Brian Stelter dipped away to from CNN. And also, you know, Fox News they had the big shake up there, and they no longer have our least favorite Tucker, uh, Tucker Carlson. He's gone, right? And he's on the the uh, X, formerly known as Twitter. And Doing so great over there, man. I I think he hit the jackpot by going to Twitter. Uh, personally, I mean, he's reaching mo- far more people than ever before. Uh, most people just don't have cable anymore, 
And Fox News is no different, really, than CNN. Just look at what they were pushing during the pandemic. Everyone was locked up with the pandemic nonsense. What I uh, got for us, though, right now is a fantastic little snippet from Joy Reid, the readout. Uh, She has on our favorite from the past, Mr. Brian Stelter, and they're on to talk about Tucker Carlson. All right, so you got this right? This is a new show, allegedly, with Joy (laughs) Reid, and she brought on Brian Stelter to talk about Tucker Carlson, right? Because he allegedly wrote this book. Uh, where he just talks about, I guess, Fox News and Tucker Carlson. It's insane. I, I kind of want to read it, but here we go. They're gonna, they're gonna describe the book about how he got fired because Fox News was so bad. <laughs> yes, I think so too. It doesn't make sense, buddy. I mean, everybody ended up getting fired once Trump was no longer in office. You know, they killed their golden goose. Yeah, you had nothing to talk about. You're the dog that caught the car. Exactly, dude. <laughs> you know. So that's why, if you need to know, uh, you know, Brian Stelter and company got fired. They were now rendered useless when Trump was gone. So uh, they couldn't stoke those flames of hatred any further. Either way, Stelter went to Harvard. I guess he taught some classes, and then he wrote a book about Fox News and Tucker Carlson. Because <laughs> that's what our world needs is an expose on Tucker Carlson and Fox News. So here we go. Um, let's go. Let, let me start with Tucker. I'm going to roll back to him for a second. Was his firing mainly because of his grossness toward other people? Or was it, I don't know, going to hungry without authorization and other things you reveal? Right. That's definitely not biased questioning whatsoever. It's incredible. (laughs) How about about instead of speculating the other guy's firing, why don't you ask Brian why he got fired? (laughs) Is it because of Brian's grossness? I imagine there was some (laughs) grossness to Brian's existence there at CNN. I'm sure there's some stories of grossness. I mean, how many migrants did they need to wipe up his sweat? (laughs) Could have been cheap. You just bring in like two or three of those squeegee boys from the street, you know? (laughs) They just kind of hang on the wing there. I got a windshield you could polish. (laughs) All right, here we go. Stelter's going to explain to us the conspiracy nut job uh, theorists at Fox News and why, you know, conspiracy theories in general are just so popular. Well, Joy, I'm a longtime viewer, first-time guest. It's great to be on with you. I think you just named three or four of the many reasons. I think there's a list of 10 or even 20 reasons why Carlson was eventually canned. I devote many chapters to the book to this. Brian, Brian, slow down, buddy. I know you're excited to be back on TV. Do you hear this guy? He's going to have a heart attack in the middle of the sentence, man. (laughs) Take a breath. (laughs) Can't even imagine how red your head is right now. Can we bring in a couple jelly donuts? Slow this guy down here. (laughs) Slow the pace. And Carlson's been out there promoting conspiracy theories about why he was fired, blaming Dominion for it when there's just no evidence for that and lots of evidence against it. And the reality is this was a bad breakup. This was like, you know, a a relationship that goes sour when one side has 20 reasons to dump the other side. The other side doesn't see it coming, but this was building for a long time. I got to give it to Stelter, though. You know, you think he'd take this time away to update his look, maybe get in shape, take a little Ozempic, slim down. Nope. Exactly the same. <laughs> this guy <laughs> did. Slightly worse. I think Slightly he got worse. fatter, dude. But oh, yeah. I, I give him a little respect. Didn't do the Ozempic or whatever, the Wagovi, right? He, he's just like, I'm going to stay fat. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. We, we are big on don't take the, the Ozempic or the Wagovi, but do work out. <laughs> I know. You know? He's just the same exact looking dude as he was two years ago when they fired him. <laughs> he did nothing to change himself. <laughs> nothing. It's, he's wearing the same tie, everything. It's crazy. <laughs> coming, but this was building for a long time. Lachlan and Rupert Murdoch decided it just wasn't worth it anymore. As one source said to me, his arrogance destroyed him. Tucker's arrogance destroyed him. Uh, one producer arrogance. on the show said to me, we were burning too bright. We knew it wasn't going to last, and it didn't. 
Talk about a little bit, Fox, is sort of the inside that you get into about how they think, uh, about why they wanted to put people like Sidney Powell on, why they wanted the, uh, the to put... Best pro- Stop, I'm sorry, but I the know, best part about this whole thing, <laughs> yes. you have to put this into perspective. Tucker Carlson is not going on anybody's show to talk about why Brian Stelter got fired. I know. He's just doing his own show on X and getting millions of views. Yes, and he's actually going after very interesting subject matters. Yeah, so Brian, man, you just this is exactly why you got fired. You're not interesting. <laughs> Great call, you man. To, you have to speculate on Tucker. And I imagine Tucker's going to have a book coming out soon. Uh, I'd look forward to reading that book. I bet you he's going to put out some very intriguing information that maybe hasn't you know, seen the light of day to many people. Uh, and it yeah. probably could be uh, fascinating to read through. Stelter, I already know exactly what your book is about. I don't ever need to even go <laughs> near do. it. Yeah. So, so sad. It's a good man. call. All right. You ready to continue down this wild ride? I love it. All right. The January 6th stuff and the sort of outrageous lies that they wound up getting sued for. I think it was a self-preservation instinct, right? Wanting to believe the lies, wanting to give hope, in this case, false hope, to millions of viewers. And it was driven largely by profits and and ratings, a desire to keep the audience hooked at all costs. You know, there's examples you see. You guys looking in the mirror here? Um, (laughs) Do you guys kind of hear yourselves? in these Dominion filings, which was I, I had to write this book because there were so many details in the Dominion papers that it demanded sure. someone write the book. You, know, you have examples of these <laughs> I love, I, love these I had to write the book. I know. God awoken him in the middle of the night <laughs> and he rose and walked towards a burning bush in his backyard and it said, Stelter, write the book. Well, not God. We don't like to specify more of just an omnipresent being. Uh. <laughs> this, is, this is so insane. He was he was driven to write the book because it must be written. It had to be once I saw the Dominion papers. I have to expose Tucker Carlson for the fraud he is. <laughs> Why don't you write a book about how you spent four years talking about a dossier that Hillary Clinton wrote? <laughs> no? Yeah, man. <laughs> no, no paper on that. No Russian collusion. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have like yeah. a, a deep throat in the background that can give us some insider <laughs> info. Nothing. No. Can't even get a short story on that one. No. <laughs> All right. You can't. You could do a Substack. Can you, you get a Substack <laughs> on how Hillary Clinton wrote the dossier? Essentially. No. All right. I got you. I Hello. see who you're working for there, Stealthy. Obsessed over the minute by minute ratings. What they notice is when we talk about voting irregularities, voter fraud, the ratings tick up. Now, look, I was at CNN nearly a decade. I didn't study the minute by minute ratings to figure <laughs> out which of my guests were the best and which of the guests. Yeah, were we the know best. you didn't look at the ratings at all. <laughs> That's right. That's why you got fired. <laughs> you just assumed people were watching your crap show. You just kept listening to your mom's opinion. That's <laughs> yeah. right. That, that is next-level engineering to keep the audience addicted. And ultimately, that is what drove so many of these falsehoods. It's, he's explaining exactly what the media did with Trump leading into COVID. That yeah. is it, man. You keep them hooked, and you keep feeding them all these like little bits of nonsense, but it feeds into the conspiracy. It's crazy they're not looking into this mirror and seeing themselves, or maybe they're purposely projecting, right? Because, dude, that's what Trump was. We're going to keep these breadcrumbs, and they're going to lead these people on and on and on, and then we've got them trapped. To be fair, they can't look in the mirror because then they'll see the uh, the old COVID death count. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, my God. That Brad Stelter had in the corner of his screen, and then he might actually think, oh, wait a minute, maybe I was doing that. I'll never forget, in the heart of the madness of lockdowns and masking and all that insanity, Jake Tapper tweeted out a picture of himself in the break room at CNN alone with his mask on. And he wrote in the uh, tweet or whatever that or it was either him or Jim Acosta. I can't remember which of the losers, but it was one of those two <laughs> jackasses. But they they had uh, the selfie with the mask on, and they wrote like how they're alone in the room wearing the mask because it's the right thing to do, and because they were men. Oh God, yeah, that's what men do throughout time. The, the real men wore the mask, <laughs> right? 
wearing the mask because it's the right thing to do. But your little office job. Yeah, where you yeah. go on TV and scare the pants out of all the grandmas out there and force <laughs> them to lock themselves in their home and shelter away from their families for two years. Yeah, because of the boomers. They all got scared. Incredible stuff. Uh, but, yeah, well, there we go. We got Brian Stelter. He's uh, talking about how, you know, Fox News is genius for how they were just feeding these conspiracy theories via Tucker Carlson to keep them hooked into the uh, machine of, you know, the lies, the big lie, actually. Uh, Earlier in the interview or later on, I can't remember uh, where I cut it off, but they keep referencing the big lie of January 6th. I love the big lie. Yeah, Yeah. I love that name. That one didn't stick, though, I feel like, as they had hoped. You know what I'm saying? The big lie? Well, because even if you believe it was a big lie, it wasn't as big as the bigger lie of COVID that happened right before that. Yeah, COVID's the biggest lie in the history of humankind. <laughs> At least of our lifetime. Of our That's lifetime. The big, that's the big lie. COVID is the big lie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good call, man. Absolutely. Uh, and never forget, folks. We, we keep forgetting, and I'm here to uh, remind you daily... Uh, never stop being pissed off about what they did to us three years ago. <laughs> we should always just keep a little piece of that in the back of our mind, right? Because they could always bring it back. They're going to try. They're going, it was so successful. They're going to do it again. Don't let them. Absolutely, man. And, uh, there's just, uh, madness everywhere in this world. Uh, these days, I gotta say the wokeism, it's over the top and, we're seeing some pendulum swinging the other way. It's not moving as fast as I'd hoped or fast enough. Uh, simply because on national television, as we all know, the writer's strike that we forgot about, over, actor strike now, over. That means all the late-night Jimmys are at it in full swing. And Jimmy Kimmel was making fun of a new book written by Ted Cruz, and we're going to do some Ted Cruz in this show. I got a nice little action on him. But Jimmy Kimmel loves making fun of Ted Cruz, and he's uh, ripping on the book, and he decides to bring on or cut to a segment that they had filmed with a group of kids in what looks to be like a school setting, and they bring in somebody to uh, read the book to the kids. Let's uh, take a look here. I mentioned the other uh, night that Senator Ted Cruz has a, a new book. It's called Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America. Ted's been out trying to sell the book. His last book, he had to get his own campaign to buy thousands of copies to get it up the list, which is sad. So we decided that this time we'd help him out with an assist from one of the stars of RuPaul's Drag Race, none other than Trixie Mattel. All right, there's a big sign that says... Uh... Drag Queen Story Hour. <gasps> hello, hello, children. Hello, hi, hi. That's the energy I was looking for. Woo! Kids are a little weirded out How at do we first. How feel about reading today? Yes. Yes. Okay, I think we should select something to read. Let's see. Um, Cinderella. Who cares? Right? Made-up story. Our I just don't get why system. they think this yeah, is right. good. Yeah, right. Well, I'm I'm playing it because I want you to pinpoint where this is funny. Tell me where it, it gets funny. It's flat. Because the audience is struggling to find it funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't hear any laughs. You kind of sense from the reaction of the audience that this is a little weird. We're, you know, like, do we, is this funny? I don't think this is funny. And do we it, really need the drag queen reading to the kids? You're kind of proving the, the right point. You're making Ted Cruz sound like a brilliant philosopher at this point. <laughs> Like a prophet. And his whole book is it's like all about how you guys are ruining the kids. Yes. To pro- you're, you're, you're literally proving his point you're, here. You are proving his book with this retarded sketch. And I, I sent it to Emma and you the morning I discovered it. And Emma right, like, says to me, why the kids? Like, why? Do they do- yes. Why? It's really weird. It's, it's just a weird scenario. Uh, this fella, this lady fella, dressed, uh, with this skin-tight dress, right, um, and, uh, has got this wild, super huge, outrageous blonde wig, 
and very uh, kind of intense eyeliner, you know, with pink and all sorts of crazy colors jutting out like flames. Um, so, you know, it's just a very outrageous, clownish-looking individual. And as you can tell from the voice, uh, quite manly in the Adam's Apple region. And, very manly. You know, so, like, uh, it's a confusing scenario, but the kids, uh, kids in general... I feel like just kind of dismiss confusing and keep rolling with the punches. You know what I'm saying? This is like you have a drag queen reading to kids on national television. So you guys are trying to normalize kids and drag queens. Yeah, it's kind of gross. It's kind of weird. And it's very, very, very uncomfortable to watch. Thank you. (laughs) Um, How about (gasps) Unwoke? How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America, written by Ted Cruz. So So she's going to start reading, and I snipped one of the parts out of it where she reads, or he reads this uh, segment that isn't actually even in the book. They put a little asterisk on the uh, screen there, and it says, you know, this isn't in there. Uh, written in for comedic purposes, but then you're like, why did you have to write this in, and why did you do this joke with these kids, man? In the winter of 2021, when weather conditions in Texas were unacceptable, I took a harmless trip to Mexico. Now, all of us who are parents have a responsibility to take care of our kids, to take care of our families, and as a senator, I have the added responsibility to my supporters to look and feel my best at all times which is why it was of the utmost importance that I head to Cancun to tan my nipples in peace. Not, not in That's the book. That's disturbing. What was your problem with the book? What do you guys think? What in kind of a world would somebody need to tan their nipples? Especially since you can just do it at the tanning salon. So literally the only way they could get a reaction out of the kids was to make something up and put it in the Yes, book. thank you. Oh, yeah. Probably because he's a father and just a good Christian man. He's a good man. He's just a good guy. He's a good dad. He's a Christian man. And uh, he's just, um, he's an educated man. So he uh, wouldn't ever put anything like that in there. And you're furthering the man's cause, Jimmy Kimmel, by having a writing in the script the kid to ask this question about the nipples. I mean, come on, dude. Like, what, what are you doing low. here? Pretty, and why won't you just have Ted Cruz on? I know why. He'll make you look like an idiot. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> So instead, you got to do this whole big skit where you bring out this drag queen. It makes no sense. The drag queen thing makes no sense at all. Why? Nobody could give me any, just one good reason why a kid needs to see a drag queen. Right. Makes no sense. And I've always made this argument uh, to people, you know, hey, my name's Frank. I'm a random dude. I'm going to read a book to your kids. All right. Yeah, that's weird. Kind of weird. Fucking weird. Even weirder if you're like, no, 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 but I'm going to put on fake tits and a wig. Like, that didn't make it any better. Yeah, no, no, don't worry. I'm going to tuck my dick into my ass, all right? It's going to be totally <laughs> kosher, okay? The kids are going to love it. They'll never see my dick. Don't worry. It's tucked in there, uh, man. I'll strip off some of my clothes and they'll hand me dollar bills. Yeah, hold, some fa- <laughs> hold some family fun. You can put the dollar bill right there between my fake tits. That's great. <laughs> great. The kids love it, man. The kids love it, yeah. <laughs> they love my fake tits, man. And I can't, I can't stress enough. Sick. The dick, it's tucked away there. Uh, so I don't get <laughs> why Jimmy Kimmel felt this was like such a great idea. Like, what? This is so funny. We're going to totally own the right in Ted Cruz by having a drag queen read his book to kids. But the only way we can make it at, at all funny or anything is we got to make up what's in the book. We're going to add the word nipples because the studio thought it was too inappropriate for us to have the child say penis. <laughs> you know, you know, there was like a lot, list of words they tried to get in there yeah, and they had yeah. to land on nipples. You know how that stuff works. Yeah. These people, these Hollywood freaks, man, they got no uh, control over themselves and they love indoctrinating Ugh. the children, man. It's craziness. Leave the kids alone. <laughs> Please, just leave the kids alone. Let them be kids. Jimmy Kimmel simply can't have Ted Cruz on his show because it would destroy the narrative he has built up of Ted Cruz. Whenever you have Ted Cruz on your show, you end up realizing this guy is smart and he's funny and he's 
you know, <laughs> it's kind of smooth. He's a smooth talker. He's actually a lot smarter than me. Uh-oh. Oh, no. And if you need any proof of that, I uh, really insist anyone, everyone out there, go check out the beginning segment of Bill Maher's Real Time from Friday. He brought on Ted Cruz to talk about this book about uh, wokeism. And I found it to be, for the first two-thirds, cordial and fascinating how much they agreed with each other. Ted Cruz is a master, man. I'm telling you. You see how he buttered him up? He totally buttered him up. Like Butters <laughs> him up. He got him on Lila. Everything. Hey, listen, I can't, you know, I can't believe. He knew exactly what he was doing. He kept bringing up things he knew Bill Maher would agree. He talked you know? about, like, taping his show every Friday and, you know, <laughs> admiring him as a comedian and how funny he was and how smart he is on these topics and how much they both agree on the toxicity of wokeism. Like, it was incredible, uh, man. I... I thought they were about to go out for uh, stogies and beers, man. It says a lot that he even said it. Two-thirds of the stuff you said about me were, was funny, and I laughed at it myself. That's the difference between a Democrat and a Republican. Yes. The Republicans know the jokes are funny. They're, you know what I mean? They're in on it, too. Well, I thought Vivek uh, Rama Shwarma, delicious sounding every time, but uh, he, <laughs> I loved how he brought up the fact that you will never get Greg Gutfeld there to moderate a Democratic debate. That was a great point, yeah. And great I point. am no fan of Gre- Greg Gutfeld. <laughs> I just, I don't think he's very funny, really. You know, I, I find his humor a little a little offbeat uh, for my taste. But, you know, the dude, you gotta hand it to him. He is bringing in a far higher audience rating on a nightly basis than any of the Jimmys, I think, combined on the major networks, man. Like, he, yeah. he's right. Reckoning- he was just saying, you know, why are the Republicans trying to reach out and have CNN host their debate? You know what I mean? You never see that shit from the other side. Uh, yes, exactly. It's, it's a great call. And Republicans really should. Man, could you imagine a Republican debate with. Joe Rogan and Alex Jones and like, oh, God, you know, that'd be so great. That'd be incredible, dude. <laughs> yeah, that'd be so great. You got to have Alex Jones, then we really see where you land. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Let's see what you think about the gay frogs. I think that that's the litmus test. If you believe about the gay frogs, then I think I could follow you into any war. You know what I'm saying? And the lizards. Don't forget about the lizards. The lizards as well. <laughs> Uh, so Bill Maher show, I don't know if you've picked up this trend, but he seems to be doing this thing where he'll do one with, with all leftists and then he'll do one with all like right conservatives or people somewhat in the middle. Uh, I thought it was weird. He brought on Jordan Peterson. I really didn't see that one coming. Dude, again, he really didn't realize how bad it was for him. I mean, if you really listen to the whole show. Jordan Peterson destroyed him with the whole joke about the the dad and the son. Yes. Yes, man. Because then, like, at the end of the show, Bill Maher did this whole rant about kids and their phones. And it was like, (laughs) yeah, well, oh, if only fathers would do something. Wait a minute. (laughs) Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Didn't I just make fun of Mike Johnson? Uh Uh Uh-oh. Everything, everything he said about Mike Johnson, it's just obvious. One, you never had kids. And two, you clearly didn't have a relationship with your father. <laughs> Good call. And three, Bill Maher loves porn. Loves it. He's a yeah. major defender of porn. I, Em and I were making note of that as we watched it on Friday night. We were kind of blown away at how much the guy like is a believer in porn the accessibility to it you know there's a lot of people who are in this theater of you know porn is healthy for you Uh, he's just oh yeah he's a lonely old man you know 
He's a libertine. He's a swinging bachelor, my man. He's out there on the scene getting all the black chicks. He tries to act like he's this, like, really cool. Dude, you know you're old. He's old. You know what I mean? And I know he tries to defend Biden so much because when you look at it, he's only, like, what, is 10 years younger? (laughs) No, that's a good call. I was just thinking I believe Bill Maher is probably shy of 20 years younger than uh, Joe Biden. Oh, guaranteed. How old is Joe? 82? Yeah, dude, fit, so uh, Bill Maher's 67. That's 15 years. Wow, Bill Maher's 67? Yeah. Oh, that's why he's he's such a stout defender of the ages of man. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's, that's what he's I getting mean. You're aged old out, now, dude. dude. Yes. You're old. And now it's not cool. It's gross. Take note, Leo. 67, it's gross now that you're dating a tw- uh, 20-something-year-old. I don't think know? Leo is 67. Leo's in his 40s, I believe. Oh, no, no, but I'm saying take note, Leo. You can't do it forever. Eventually settle down with one of them, you know? Or go the Elon Musk route and just spread the seed, right? You get, like, 11 kids sprinkled among, like, three or four chicks out there. Oh, that just seems so annoying. I don't know. These rich guys seem to love to do it. Look at Mick Jagger and... Uh, who's, who's that, uh, Nick Cannon fella? He's got, like, 25 kids with, like, 10 women? Yeah, 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 that's a good call. So There's, like, know. a little village going. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, it's the Genghis Khan effect yeah. where hundreds of years from now they'll look back and they'll be like, oh, my God, uh, you know, 90% of us are related to Nick Cannon. <laughs> <laughs> what a douchey world it will be. <laughs> Let's all... I'll tell you what, in that world, you want to be the guy who makes flat brim hats. That's right. Well, now everybody stop talking, put down your phones, and continue building our statue to President Camacho. All right? Continue. <laughs> Call back. <laughs> yeah. A little Camacho action. Uh, well, either way, uh, in the world of Camachos, we still have some intellectual individuals out there in somewhat of a powerful position, like Ted Cruz. Wrote this book on wokeism, came on to Bill Maher's show. It was uh, start to finish a very uh, interesting program. Uh, rarely can I say that about the Bill Maher uh, experience. I, I typically turn it off at some point because I just get pissed off at him. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Ted Cruz on there, they're, he's buttering up Bill. They're loving each other. They're bros. They're going to go have some beers after this. Um, and then Bill Maher flips a switch. And just the venom comes out when it comes to Trump, Jan 6th, insurrectionism, and the whole uh, election denial situation. And uh, as we were watching it, I hit the pause button after Bill Maher does his little rant. And, uh, you know, you're going to get the rebuttal from Ted Cruz. And and I, I turned to Emma and I said, Ted Cruz is about to destroy Bill Maher. Right, and I gotta say, as per usual, are you not entertained, folks? Uh, Ted Cruz never lets us down. I think, which is that the Republicans, including you, January six, etc., are the ones who are no longer willing to play by the rules of democracy. It seems like, wait, wait, it seems like your idea has switched in the Republican Party to. Elections only count if we win. And then we will endlessly litigate them, even though your own, it was laughed out of court, like 60 different courts. I mean, all we have, the, the secretaries of state, even the Republican ones, everybody said, your, Trump's own election people said it was the, one of the most fair, well-run elections ever. Why won't you let it go? So, Bill, you're the one that's not letting it go. You're the one that's asking about it. But, but let me be clear about something. <laughs> I'm asking about your history. Listen, I believe passionately in democracy. And, and I also believe voter fraud is a real and persistent problem. And it's weird that Democrats it's have not. taken the view. It's been studied. Okay, so you don't think it is. But you know what? I have never once seen you or, or any other host ask Hillary Clinton why she said in 2016 that Donald Trump was an illegitimate president. I've never seen... You asked Democrats why they objected to the presidential certification in 2001. That was George W. Bush. In 2005, that was George W. Bush. And in 2016, that was Donald Trump. And so I don't think we should be... Okay, they... Have a double standard here. uh, Okay. Well, there is a double standard because there's two different things going on. One is a remonstration, a mild protestation of something. Al Gore was the 
head of the Senate at the time, he had to pass the baton in an election. He knew he won. And his he, he knew and, he won. And the Wait, other are you an election denier? You just said Al Gore won that election. Well, he. <laughs> <laughs> he I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. I, I meant to say he won the popular vote. But no, uh, you, know, you did it. No, you did it. That's called the checkmate, <laughs> Billy Boy. Checkmate. Oh man, you just dug yourself a grave, my friend. <laughs> oh, I understand. I understand. But the other candidate's brother stopped the count. Okay, or, that's that is or, that's not accurate. The Supreme Court stopped the count. His own brother w ran that election in His Florida, brother was which was the governor of Florida. You know they counted. Okay, the well, hold on, hold on a second. I mean, facts matter. They counted the votes four times in Florida. Okay, George W. Bush won all four times. I was part of the legal team litigating the, that case, so the, I, w I was intimately involved in Bush versus Gore. Bigger, Every time they counted the votes, Bush won. The bigger point is that Al Gore took one for the team. He came out and said, "Okay, you know, this was a really fucked up election, but this is America." All right, Bill got owned right there. I God, cut it at that so point. Thought it was uh, I could have listened to the whole thing again. I mean, <laughs> that was, people, go watch it. It's amazing. Master class, my man, in owning somebody yeah. in their own freaking argument. It's incredible. Like how There's one point where he even gets like an applause from the audience. Yes. <sighs> so funny. Oh, dude, it's great, dude. I mean, Ted Cruz won over the entire room. I can't wait to hear his podcast on Monday. He talks about it all the time, going into these. He loves it. <laughs> he loves debates. You know what I mean? He loves just the argument and everything. And for him, it's just a sport, a game, you know? And yes. Bill Barr gets so emotional about yes. it, you know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're going to democracy? Like, relax, Billy. You're still going to have a show next week. Okay? I know. He loses his mind all the time when it comes to Trump. He, he has some weird switch in his brain. It's a defect in him. Where I, You know what it is, dude? It's they all know the truth. That Trump, if, when Trump, if you keep letting guys like Trump win the presidency, that's it. The money train's over. You mean in as far as uh, how everyone's lining their pockets and the system's rigged yes. to defeat the Don't, little guy? It's not a coincidence that Bill Maher has this HBO show and he's always had these shows. No matter what, he gets fired, he just moves up. And then what happens? Nancy Pelosi's daughter comes on his show and it's, oh my God, they both went to the same college and lifelong <laughs> friends. And what's, what's that you say? Oh, Nancy Pelosi also never gets fired without, without moving up. You know what I mean? It's like, it's no coincidence. These people, they can't let somebody like Donald Trump in. Yeah. Because more, more than anything, it just, it, it opens the door for more people who are on the outside. You know? Absolutely. <clears throat> here in Colorado, uh, Ken Buck, he's stepping down here at the end of his term. And the floodgates have been opened. And already there are all these mega men essentially and women <laughs> like strapping on board and they're ready to go you know and it's it's gonna be a free-for-all because the people in colorado man are very pissed off with the direction of the state uh the over regulations the over taxation the homeless the fact that we're number three in the country in car theft and auto and uh home invasions uh, I mean, like, we have uh, gone down the the trash receptacle here. Uh, we're in the dumpster at this point. And, and it just, you know, I, I the reaction to these intense, outrageous leftist ideas and, and laws and principles, the reaction is a, a MAGA-type dude stepping into the scene, a business owner who's had enough, and he, he's got the money to back it up, and he's a blowhard just like Trump, and he's going to step in, throw his hat in the ring, and take over somebody like Jared Polis. It's going to happen. Yeah. And then those guys who do that in four, eight, 16 years from now, right? they'll be knocking at the door and running for president. They'll be on that stage with Chris Crispie. You know, he, uh, you know Bill, that's a great show to watch. In the end, he even does that little bit about uh, school choice. Yes, absolutely. And, like, he, he jokes about starting his own school, which is really dumb. <laughs> he, he talks about how like uh, you know a quarter of the kids now in Catholic schools aren't Catholic. 
Like that should tell you guys a lot. Yeah. Really tell you a lot. I've been thinking about it though. From an institutionalized perspective, religion is a major failure in the modern era. I mean, they they went too hard on the you know you know what I'm saying? Institutionalized religion is screwed up right now because you we've gone through about three decades of you guys banging little kids. You know what I'm saying? So like that really Why couldn't you just bang the widows and the single moms, you know? You got the nuns, man. You got nuns who just they're getting uh, none. They're getting none, man. <laughs> they're getting none. They need some, dude. Come uh, on. I don't think those nuns, man. There's a reason they married Jesus. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, they are <laughs> mustachioed ladies, no doubt about it. Uh, I just think that the problem with religion right now is the institutionalization of it and the fact that it that in itself is a business. It's corrupted, and you have, again— three to four decades worth of allegations in courtroom situations where these bishops and high priests have been accused of essentially running pedophile rings in these places, man. Yeah, that's definitely the problem. It got corrupted. So 30% of the kids are kind of against the institution of the religion that they're being forced to go to? I can kind of see that. You know, <laughs> like, I understand. Yeah. You know, the, what they got to do is depart from that whole kind of corporatized version of religion and, and get back to the whole local community and, you know, be there for, uh, you know, the local focal, dude. You know, we used to all congregate, right, into these uh, communal spaces and, and, and do the prayer and the ceremony and have the weddings. And, you know what I'm saying? The church used to be kind of like a, a major centerpiece of the town. Yeah, and they were taking money from the town. <laughs> yeah, it's always it's always sending been a scam. It, I'm, not, it to Italy, you know? I'm saying from day one, it's been a freaking scam. We know this. I mean, you know, dude, Vatican. The Vatican's freaking weird. It's like one of the most heavily guarded places on the planet, and they have a ton of shit there that they, I believe, raided from like, you know, Alexandria and all this other stuff. Like, they have some artifacts yeah. that like we don't know about. A lot oh, of they probably know who built the pyramid. I told you it was giants, and it was very easy, and they just used it for just a gigantic, intricate latrine. You know what I'm saying? The, the more I see these videos, bro, I'm telling you, you might be onto something. <laughs> well, dude, there's a lot of stuff out there about giants. Uh, it's in the Bible. They talk about giants in the Bible and in, in, uh, in the Old Testament, and there's um, stuff that's been excluded uh, from the King James Version like the Book of Enoch, where he, I believe they go into deep detail there about these uh, alleged giants that roamed the earth. And there's a lot of stuff, if you do a little bit of digging, about these massive bone structures, gigantic human skulls and full human skeletons that they dug up in Iran. Mm. And then, and this is my favorite one, there's a story that several Marines dis, uh, tall about, uh, talk about who were stationed in Afghanistan, and they were patrolling an area, and from near this cave, uh, allegedly, according to these Marines, a gigantic human emerged from this cave and killed several of the Marines, and they had this firefight with it. And when they finally downed the massive human being, uh, this helicopter came in, and they loaded up the carcass, and it was, it, they took it off, and they were sworn to secrecy and all this stuff, and weren't really able to talk about it, and it was gone. That was it. Man. Afghanistan. How big, how big are we talking? We're talking— 10 feet, 12 feet? No. I mean, they're describing, like, a gigantic human being, like a 25-feet-tall, massive Ooh. human, like Goliath-sized, David and Goliath kind of situation, you know? Like— and Man. this thing was just absolutely just taking out these soldiers with swipes of its arm. And the story's crazy. Uh, I think it was on some TV show even a long time ago. Or you could easily find this on the uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, or uh, the YouTubes, I'm sure. That's even on there, the Rumble. But I know that uh, I've watched oh. several things about this. Dude, fuck YouTube. I've been watching videos, you know, the shorts, everything. Have you noticed everybody's bleeping words? Like, they're bleeping words like murder, kill, penis. Like, you know what I mean? It's 
how is YouTube, the internet, is now more censored than regular TV? It's crazy. We just need to create more creative versions of words. So instead of penis, go penis Right? They won't even know it. <laughs> They'll totally whack out the algorithm. They'll have no idea what you're talking about, man. <laughs> well, then they ban you because they think you're Jewish. Right now we're only for the Palestines. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, yeah, don't forget Pina Shevitz, people. Watch out for those algos. <laughs>